Glory be to God. There we go. Hello. Yep, it's definitely on. Not that you really need me to speak through a microphone. I'm sure you can all hear me quite clearly. It's just like this. Pianos right in the way. Um, okay, sounded great tonight, by the way. Do you know what freaked me out? I was looking for the sound. I was walking around the piano thinking, where is that sound coming from? Like, oh, it was you coming through that speaker there. I was like, I was like, that noise can't come from a piano. Where's it coming from? <laughs> Things like that really bugged me. So that's why I was walking around the piano. Where is it coming from? <laughs> Just in case anyone's wondering. Then I figured out what it was. Um, sounded good though. It was a good, good idea. So um, Brian, why did you quote that scripture earlier? Because... Um want to show that Jesus is God, he's, he's the Christ, and also when you actually heal people, um, in fact, in fact um, when, when Jesus healed people, he actually spoke to that which was causing the problem and in him, not the person, but in him. Yeah. And also, quite often when you heal people, <coughs> demons come out as well. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's good. So if we will turn to that passage then that he, uh, he chose to read. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 41. So Luke 4, verses 38 to 41. Now, so the Spirit is put like this. There's this I can't describe it, and I can't convey it in English, really. I could probably do it in Chinese, but I, I can't convey it in English. And... and in all my life, well, not my life, well, kind of all my life, and it be, kind of became more obvious when I became a Christian, that I've carried something inside me. I can't describe it any more than a feeling, okay? And it's a feeling of, it kind of feels like it coming, we're late summertime, it's the harvest time, and the presence of God is so strong, and we're just in this unprecedented time where God is moving. And I've always carried that sensation and that feeling with me. And I've always known that one day I will see that. And it is what we're looking for, which is God moving in our nation again in powerful ways. And as I'm reading this story here, I just get this feeling that, I mean, these disciples were in that moment themselves. You know, they'd been waiting for so long for a Messiah. They'd been waiting for so long for someone that, that could come and bring redemption and someone that could bring uh, redemption from the oppression that they were going through various different things and and the nation was a mess there you know they were being occupied by Rome and you know for Israel's general how they were feeling probably really in the gutter you know they were feeling really bad as a nation yet they had this hope that the Messiah was coming I was reading in uh, some book on church history that um, that it freaked everybody out when the star of Bethlehem appeared as we call it yeah everybody saw it and every and it was huge it wasn't this little like bright light it's like moved it was big and and everyone was in consternation like how on earth did that get there and where did it come from now if it happened today no doubts nasa would come up and tell us it's an air balloon or something but in those days they didn't have nasa to tell them it was an air balloon you know as far as they well it was it was it was a start and it freaked everybody out but they also knew there was a sense of expectancy that something huge was coming there were many people that were awaiting the birth of the messiah and of course messiah came and they were waiting the deliverance and they, how did they know this? because they knew Daniel's prophecy of the 70 weeks so you could actually work out roughly when Messiah would be born and when Messiah would die so they knew he was coming they knew it was imminent 
And, and so you're, these disciples are now in this time where they are now, the Messiah has finally manifested himself in the flesh. They are hanging around with him. They are seeing signs and wonders. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is near. It's like it's right here. It's in an individual called Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. Now, I want you to kind of capture the emotion and the feeling and the electricity in the air over Israel at that time when people started hearing about these miracles, these signs and wonders, this, the, is this the Messiah? I want, you to, I want you to feel that and to think about that. I remember when I went to Africa, well, it was a long time ago now, but we were doing stuff and we were seeing signs and wonders and miracles and we were so busy, we didn't even have time to eat some days. We were, we were, we were, so we were weak with hungry some days because the, the need was too great. And I just kept seeing, it's like, this is exactly what it was like in the Gospels. And this is exactly what's going to be happening soon. If, uh, if you want to work for Jesus, bring a packed lunch because you're going to get hungry. Because the, the, seriously, the work that's the, the late, the, sorry, the, uh, the, 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 the need that's going to be coming through the door is going to be so great that we just, we're just going to have to keep on giving and keep on giving and keep on giving. The Holy Spirit showed me this picture that it, uh, it was a prophecy given to me many years ago that it was saying I was like a barrel full of oil. And it said, but there'll come days where you just feel like there ain't no more to pour. It said, but in that moment that you get to that place, just keep pouring by faith and the oil will just keep coming. You know, a bit like the widow of Zarephath. She just kept, you know, it was only a little bit left, but she kept pouring and it just kept coming and it just kept coming and it just kept coming. And God wants to tell us and to encourage us that we are coming into those days. Indeed, those days are already starting to begin now. We're starting to come into this, this time of the exponential glory of God being revealed on the earth. Now, you've got to take these words, you've got to weigh them, test them, do it with them as you will. Um, but many years ago, God showed me this uh, vision where, and this was a waking dream in the morning, where he showed me this, there was like a, a big map, not a map, a calendar. And down here were the dates, but the dates were fudged out, so I couldn't see them. God's clever, right? And, uh, but there was this, but up here was this big graph, and there was this line that was just flatlined all the way down. And slowly but surely, it was going up and up and up. And then exponentially, it just shot right up. And written over the top bit, where it went right up to the top of the graph, was the golden age of the church, where the power of God would be manifest upon the earth again. Because the Bible's clear, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more and we are in probably the most desperate state that this that we've ever seen in probably in any kind of history you know you, you say it's like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah I mean it really is we are in unprecedented times and when we were at the Christian Concern event the other day and they were showing us the stats of where things are really at in this country. I mean, like the guy behind me was going, oh, oh, Jesus, help us. Oh, my dear. It was it, it is that bad. I mean, it really is that bad. We, we have an idea that it's bad, but trust me, it really is that bad. And it's a hell of a lot worse than you probably even imagined. It's really, really bad. But that's good news, because when great darkness covers the land, arise and shine for your light has come, as it says in Isaiah. I'm expecting that God is going to do something. And he's going to do something big. And this passage, I don't know, it's just speaking to me at the moment. After leaving the synagogue, he, that's it, Jesus, entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. So she obviously couldn't make, uh, make church that day. And they asked him about her. And, then, and so this is a few things here. So the mother-in-law was ill and they asked Jesus about her. They petitioned Jesus saying, look, Jesus, she's not well, she's, she's, she's sick. 
Is there something you can do for her? Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Yeah. There's sometimes when it comes to illness over people, you, you know, there's all different methods I use when I'm praying for people, but sometimes you just have to rebuke what's on them um, because like, it shouldn't even be there. So he rebuked the fever and it left her. It went, it like, oh, I'm out of here. You've rebuked me, I'm going, bye. Okay. And immediately she got up and began to serve them. Now, she served them. They all had Pop-Tarts or whatever it was for dinner. So we have a little break here. Then, interestingly, we get to verse 40. Now, what do you think has possibly happened between verse 39 and verse 40? Well, obviously they've eaten. But how do you think, what do you think would have happened? Do you, I, I guarantee somebody went and told somebody that, hey, such and such, you know, Peter's uh, mother-in-law, she was really ill today. That Jesus guy came around, he, he spoke over her, prayed for her, and now she's healed. Because somehow something's happened here because it says as the sun was setting all of those who had uh, who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them demons also came out of many shouting you're the son of God but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah Jesus went to went to Simon's house prayed for the mother-in-law she got healed. Somebody somewhere went and told someone about it. And then everybody thought, well, if he can heal her, how about, how about my Aunt Flo and Uncle so-and-so? And all the people came out. And as I said, I, I've been in times and places where all the people came out. And, and, and it's, it's really humbling when you see the need. Many years ago, when we first planted Fairham, uh, we had this, um, it was recommended that we get in this traveling healing evangelist, okay? Does anyone, was anyone either there? No. No. You were, how old were you, like two? Because <laughs> 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 I was in my push chair. Okay, so, so anyway, so we got this evangelist guy in, but one of the things that, that, that he did is he advertised this healing evangelistic event in the papers, in the evening papers, uh, with our phone number on it. And I tell you, the amount of phone calls that we got from hurting people that needed a touch from God. And, and I'll be honest with you, when, when, when the night came, all of these people came in. There were chick kids in wheelchairs and all sorts. It, it made me see just how desperate people were and the pain that some people are going through. Um, and, and, you know, there were some people that got healed. There were some people that didn't get healed. Uh, and over the weekend, more people got healed. And, and it, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I found it very difficult because I wasn't into the Holy Spirit type stuff back then. I know it might surprise some of you, like, really? I was like really into my Reformed theology and I don't really want that Holy Spirit crazy charismatic stuff because that's what I'd come out from. So I didn't want any more of that. It, was because it wasn't that it, what, what was going on was wrong. It was what these people were doing was not healthy. And it made me obviously react to it. But it made me realize the need that there are, that is out there, that so many people need to hear the gospel. So many people. And when the message got out, I mean, these people, they were desperate, desperate people. And in these days, more so, I think, than any time in living history, there is so much mental health issues out there now. You see, when Jesus says that he comes to, to heal, when you go through those healing passages, this healing for the body, 
There's healing for the heart, which is the soul, which is the mind, the will and the intellect and healing for the spirit. And as as Christians, as a church, we need to be equipped to be able to cope with what's coming. This is one of the reasons why we're starting this healing ministry uh, or prayer ministry course so that Christians can be equipped to be able to cope with what's coming through. And I'll tell you something now, it's gonna come. It is gonna come through the door. And, and God told me a while ago, he said, don't ever, ever turn anybody away and don't you ever say, oh, we're, our church is it's too big now, no one else can come in. Anybody that does that will be in serious trouble with the Lord. It's time to think outside the box. It's time to think outside the model of, well, you know, we, let's wait till even song and we do it all like this. And this is how we've done it since 1905. We have now got to be ruthless in flexibility. And if people just keep pouring in and we have to stay here till two o'clock in the morning to get those people done, then that's what it takes to get the job done. Because there is unprecedented, unparalleled move of God is coming. It absolutely is coming. I've seen it in so many visions and I've waited on this for about 25, nearly 30 years, the things that I've seen that are coming. And many of the things that God has shown me are, have now either come to pass or coming to pass right now. So I know we're moving into the moment of history where we're at, we're at a point of contention, where things are gonna go so desperate for the world. They're gonna be so desperate that they're gonna look to you and to me for the answers. And we have to give it to them. Now, obviously, we are human, but we have to point them to Jesus. And we have to be a people that are prepared to lay down our lives to help people, disciple people, pray for the sick, heal the sick, go out and do whatever it needs, help the poor, all of these kind of things. And let me tell you something. When I was out in Africa and we were out there for, was it, how long was it, Trace, I was out there for? A couple of weeks. It seemed like a long time. But, I mean, it, there were days where it was literally from breakfast time through right through to half 10 at night. And the, and the Africans, man, they were hungry. They were hungry for the word of God and they were desperate for, for healings and all sorts of stuff. And they got them. There was one particular service, I shared this uh, this morning, so it's about how God used me and this guy to uh, help this woman. It was a young lady, she was about 24. She was completely bound up with demons. She'd been sent to a witch doctor when she was born and she stayed there till she's the age of nine and they rejected her. And she was basically a screaming wreck. Every time we had a meeting, they literally wrapped her up in a cloth and carried her out because she was just crazy to all intents and purposes. She'd been like that since she was nine. Never spoke a word of English or in her, in her own language, never said anything but just screamed her head off all the time. And uh, so there was me and this guy, and we went round and, and started praying for her. I'll come back to her in a minute. But in, in, whilst we were round there praying for her, suddenly there was this almighty roar of a thousand people in this meeting. They just screamed out. And I was like, what on earth is going on in there? But my friend, he, he was praying for a guy who had a motorcycle accident, and his arms had seized like that, where he just couldn't afford to get the hospital treatment, so his arms were just stuck like that. And, uh, and the guy on the team, he got his arms and he just said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And he pulled them out. And he, there was this loud crack, crack. And instantly his arms were healed. And he was just running around praising. And the whole place just erupted with joy to the Lord. They were just clapping their hands and shouting and screaming. It was just madness. And then round the corner, I was, I was praying for this African girl. You know, bear in mind, she'd never spoken anything since she was nine. She's 24 at this point when we were praying for her, you know, and I managed to finally get her to, you know, I said to her, this is, the, this is as good as your life's going to get unless you give your life to Jesus. Otherwise, you have to put up with this for the rest of your life. I, I needed to make it very clear to her 
that this is as good as it gets unless she gives her life to Christ. And the only way she's going to be free of this is to give her life to Jesus. So she started to say the name Jesus, which was the first, the guy was like, whoa, I've never heard her say anything. So she said Jesus, and then she started, you know, and then she gave her life to Jesus, confessed and renounced witchcraft, and then she started vomiting out all this stuff uh, and demons and things. And then God completely set her free. It took about half an hour. I'll be honest with you, I didn't think it was ever going to work, but it did. Hallelujah, she got set free. And then in the evening, she was in her right mind. Beautiful young lady came up to me, Pastor Chris, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the guy was amazed. He said, I haven't said, I've never even heard her speak her own name since she was nine. And God just set her free. We got an email then a few weeks later after we'd come back saying that she's completely fine now. She's got some, going through some count, trauma counseling and stuff, but she's, she's good, she's healed. There was another girl where I was in this healing line uh, and there was all these people that needed healing. This particular day I was having a meltdown because as I said, I was that Christian that didn't want any of that charismatic stuff. I'd, uh, you know, I was like, even though my whole background is crazy and I'd come to this place where I don't want any of that. And then I was in Africa and I realized that these people didn't need my clever theology. They needed the power of the gospel. And I was in it, I think it was by day four, I was having a personal meltdown. And so I could see, I was working out in the prayer queue who was coming up to me next and it was this handicapped girl. And I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't be doing this. I tried to get out of it. I said, I said to Steve, I said, mate, I can't do this today, I just can't do it. Yeah, Chris, yeah, if you could just take her, just completely ignore me, yeah, if you could just take her and that child. And uh, oh, I was so, I no faith, I was just at the end of my tether. And I prayed for the woman, I don't even know what she wanted. Like she couldn't speak English. I can't speak African. So she said something, and I just prayed for her. God instantly healed her. Um, and uh, like, pray for my baby. So I, I prayed for a child. Now this child, I've never seen anything like it. She was like a spider. She was just hanging on to her mum. She was really thin and scrawny, and there was nothing in her eyes. No intelligence. Nothing. And she was just drooling, and mm, that's all she could do. Uh, and she she didn't walk. She didn't do anything. So a mother, after I prayed for the child, put the kid on the floor and walked off. I'm like, where's she gone? And then the child got up and ran across to her mother, okay? Now that had not happened before. And so she went over to her mother and then in the evening, bear in mind this mother wasn't even Christian, she wasn't even saved. In the evening, the child started for the first time ever becoming calm and relaxed and not agitated. And again, when we got back to England, again, we got an email report from that church saying that woman's really on fire for Jesus now. She's serving God. The child is getting better and better and better every day. You know, this was a complete, this was, I'd never seen a child so, it just, I'm not, I don't, forgive me for saying this, she looked brain dead. She just, there was nothing there. She was just a drooling child that could do nothing but hang on to her mother to being a child that could now walk and was fine and relaxed and calm and, and, and growing again in intelligence. So I've seen, I've seen God move. And I, I've seen the power of God do things in wonderful ways. But there is a cost. And it is, but it's the best thing ever, right? I mean, you'll all get a lot thinner. It is the best thing ever. But at the same time, it is exhausting. And I think this is, I'm going to put this out there on the record now so we can listen back to this in a few years time and go, oh yeah, he did warn us. But you've got to be careful in all of this as well that you don't go and burn out for Jesus thinking, well, if I'm not here till three o'clock in the morning, the job just ain't going to get done. You know, you have to also take care of yourself. So yeah, there'll be times where you are going to be here till three o'clock in the morning, but then maybe take a couple of days off and then take another shift at going until three o'clock in the morning. Don't do like, I'm just going to do it every night. Because here's something that God will do with you. He will work through you 
every single night while you go burn out for Jesus. You will see signs and wonders going through you while you're burning out for Jesus. Even when you are completely and absolutely burnt out for Jesus, the Spirit will still move through you to do signs and wonders. And people are like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not God's prerogative for you to look after yourself. But if you're going to be in the, in, the, in the right place and time to minister Christ to people, then Christ will be ministered to people. But you do have a responsibility in that place to not go burn out for Jesus. Because you will burn out for Jesus and you will still see signs and wonders. And are people like, oh, that doesn't make, why would God do it? Just, 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 just do away with that nonsense, okay? It's just how it is. God will use you even when it's like it's, it could be killing you. I've read so many um, testimonies of mighty healing evangelists and mighty men and women of God that died really early because they just didn't know when to quit. They just kept going and going and going and boom, into an early grave they went. There's only a few people that actually really made it to the end. One person that, that really made it to the end was uh, Catherine Coleman. Does anyone remember her? in the 70s wonderful woman of God I know she's not everyone's cup of tea she she's, comes off as being a bit strange but hey right God uses weirdos right so I'm in Are you in you're weird because if you're weird that seems to be a good certificate for being used by God these days um, and she was a wonderful woman of God but she made it right through to her late 70s um, and, then she, and then when she passed away well she actually had um, a famous healing evangelist that came to her room in hospital and she said to him no no I don't please don't pray for me I'm ready to go home now. I've done what I've came here to do. I've served the Lord faithfully. I just want to go and be with my Lord and Saviour. And when she died, she always said, Lord, at my funeral, please let there be roses. And, and the day she died, when the, when the uh, nurse came in to check that she died, normally the body has gone cold. Her body wasn't cold. It wasn't even warm. It was red hot, uh, which I thought was kind of weird. And there was this prevailing smell of roses coming from the room. Uh, one of the head nurses came in saying, who's, who put flowers in here? Because you're banned from putting flowers in, the, in those kind of wards. And they couldn't find out where they were coming from. And the smell of roses was so strong, it went through four stories of the hospital. And then it went down out the streets and to some of the other hospitals in the local area. This strong smell of roses that no one could figure out where it was coming from. Because that's the miraculous, wondrous, wonderful God we serve. I remember the Azusa Street Revival. If you don't know much about it, research it happened in the early 1900s. And the Azusa Street uh, Church was, was about two miles away from the train station. But the glory of God and the presence of God was so strong and so thick that people were getting off the train. This is unbelievers as well. As soon as they put their foot on the platform, bang, out in the spirit, people were just dropping like dominoes and stuff. And people were like, what on earth is going on around here? There are reports that, that people were coming towards the church and as inside the church they were praising God and, and just singing in the spirit in tongues. Tongues of fire went up from the church and then tongues of fire came down from the heavens to meet those tongues of fire going up. And you think, oh, this is not true, this can't be real. But I've read the reports of the people that were there. I mean, it's fantastic. Children, they were playing in the Shekinah glory of God. That's the thick, misty presence of God. Literally running in it and hiding in it in the Azusa Street meetings because the glory and the presence of God was so thick. Hallelujah, glory be to God. This is what God is going to do again. This is what we're going to see in our day. And I tell you, I am so excited to see God move. I'm so excited to, to know that we're going to see these things in our time. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so wonderful. It will be costly to us, but we're all going to change. We're going to change radically. I remember back in the 80s, um, I'm sorry, this is like an all over the place prophetic thing, but 
is what I feel I've got to say. So, and I remember back in the 80s, there was this guy, I can't remember his first name, but his surname was Minor. And it, he gave this prophecy and they made a joke that he was a minor prophet. But he, he basically said, yeah, no, it's a bad one, right? But he said, um, there's coming two winds. First, the wind of holiness, then the wind of power. If you want to have the wind of power in your life, you must turn into the wind of holiness. And if you don't turn into the wind of holiness, you can have no part of the wind of fire. And you see, we're coming into a season now where Christians can't be grey anymore. Grey is, is, is a great place to be if you want to be neither this or neither that, because you kind of just blend in. So no one really knows if you're light or if you're black. You're just grey. You don't really, you just kind of blend into the background. But even what's happening right now, even in our day, a shift is coming in the church. And those that want to be in the grey are now moving towards the black. And those that want to seek the Lord are quite clearly departing from that and are shifting over into the white. We're not seeing a schism in the church that's been instituted by man, although it is. We're seeing a schism in the church instituted by the hearts of man in how they've chosen to go. If they don't choose to walk into this wind of holiness, if they don't choose to move into the spirit of what God is doing in these days and choose to walk in worldliness and, and being socially acceptable and, and politically correct, they are going to move over there and we're going to move over further and further into the light. Now, God showed me many years ago um, what it's going to look like in these days in which we're coming into and this church of holiness now in this i've said this a few weeks ago but i'll just say it again in this dream i i, I was walking down the south coast and all these beach huts and then at the end of this beach was this old stone house and then coming in from the sea was this huge fire tornado and it was coming and it was the judgment of god and it and these beach huts represented ministries that claimed to be of God, but were actually just ministries built up in the name of man. And the Spirit of God hit these ministries so hard, and it was so fearful. I mean, I literally ran for my life in the dream because I could feel the searing, burning heat of God's judgment. And these ministries exploded as it hit each one, go bang, bang, bang. And it was so hot in the intensity that the wood vaporized under the heat of God's judgment. It was instant. It was bang, gone, bang, gone. And then this fire of holiness came down to the stone building and fell down upon the building and the building was engulfed in fire. And then I was in the spirit taken inside that building and then the fire ascended back up into the sky. And I was in this room, it was probably about as big as this, and the walls were just full of these beautiful gemstones and, and the church was pure and the church was holy, but it had been made righteous, not by man's works, but by a move of the spirit of God. And it was beautiful. And that's where the power is gonna be. And so if we move into these days of which we're coming into, COVID was a very interesting time because it pulled back the veil on our hearts and showed where we were, showed our weaknesses in the things of the Lord. And, and that, was, that was a really difficult time for a lot of us. It was difficult for me. It was difficult for you guys. Uh, but it kind of showed us where our hearts were at. Well, in the days we're coming into now, we, we, we can't pretend to ignore those issues in our heart anymore. We have to face them head on because God wants to use his church. God wants to do amazing things in these days. But we have to be in a place where we have humbled ourselves and admitted that we need the holiness of God in our lives and we need to be changed and we need to be transformed. And God wants to do something that will radically change us. 
And again, I've shared this before, but he showed me this dream, another dream. And in this dream, it, it was about what's going to happen when the revival comes. And, and uh, there was this one place, I was at the top of Porchester Hill, and, and the rain was bucketing it down. And it was, I was ankle deep in the water, and people were getting healed and set free of things. It was really exciting. But that's as far as some Christians wanted to go. Then we'd go down the street a bit, and it was waist deep, and then it was neck deep. But God ultimately wanted Christians to be in the depths of the sea where deep calls to deep and it was like you go down here you ain't coming back up you know it, it just changed you it transformed you um and I'll, i know this is a really bad example but it's just popped into my head so i'll follow it has anyone seen the film june or, or read any of the books okay well basically there's this planet and it's full of this stuff called the spice but the people if they if they inhale it for too long it turns their eyes blue and they become a little bit far out um and it's that's what it's going to be like in the days days ahead the spirit is going to be around us and it will as you are breathing in the, the 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 presence of god it will physically change you it will do stuff to you it will heal you it will set you free but but that's just the beginnings of it and god wants to take us from deep to deep to deep a bit like ezekiel's river you got the river coming out of the temple and it was getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because god is calling his church hey guys ankle deep's good you'll be set free there but I don't want you ankle deep. Waist deep, it's fun. Neck deep, it's even better. But God wants you to be completely immersed in the spirit, lost in God. God showed me dreams and visions of the future where there'll be Christians that will be so full of the spirit. They, they will be like completely like nothing you've ever seen. But they are so in love with Jesus. They're so on fire for Jesus. And they have this, they just, I can't describe it. I've seen, I've seen these things and I can't describe it, but except that it fills you with reverential fear at what God has put upon man, because obviously it's God. These are the days that we're moving into. And this scripture here, as, as Brian read it out, it immediately conveyed to me some of those dreams and some of those visions that prophetically, these are the times that we're moving into. And as those people out there start hearing about things going on in here, like, well, you know, when we're ankle deep and it's like, oh, God set me free from addiction to this and addiction to that. And someone gossips it to some people up the road. That's when trouble's going to start. I remember a guy called John G. Lake. Has anyone heard of him? healing evangelists back here again in the last century and he, his wife was terribly ill in fact everyone in his family had this curse of this illness and then his wife got ill and it was just like oh god you need to help me so he phoned up a guy called alexander dowie who was a healing evangelist at the time and they prayed for his wife and his wife got miraculously healed she had a tumor in her breast and the, the tumor literally just came out of the breast and just flopped onto the floor with all these black tendrils and stuff and it was pretty grim but she was instantly healed then the neighbours heard about it and people in town and the city heard about it and everybody came knocking on the door and they wanted to be prayed for for healing. And I just feel God wants to say to us tonight that there's a wind coming, a wind of change, a wind of holiness and God wants us to step into that wind and what God wants us to come into the place where he can change us by the power of his Holy Spirit and set us free and change us. And as freely we've received, freely we can give to others. And it's gonna be a glorious time. It's gonna be the worst of times, it's gonna be the best of times. It's gonna be a time where the need is gonna be so great, you're gonna even wonder how it's even possible. But do remember, right, Christianity started with 13 guys, Jesus and the 12 apostles, and the need was enormous. 
but they managed to cope with it. And then after the baptism of the Spirit, the church immediately grew and signs and wonders and miracles just escalated and spread throughout the world at that time. And church history records of countless miracles in the first, second, third century, fourth century, fifth century, so on and so forth. God is on the move and I believe God is on the move again in these days. And we as a people need to be expectant that we're now coming into this season. Hallelujah. Because it says here in verse 40, as the sun was setting, as the day is growing long, as the darkness is creeping in, then those who, who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on each one of them and he cured them. Demons came out. That's another ministry that's going to come back to the church as well. Casting out of demons. Back in the, I think back in the 90s, we did, went a little bit too overboard with it. You know, we're kicking out demons out of a box of Smarties and stuff. You know, and people just like, you know, this is stupid. But I do believe is that there is a place in the church for ministry to deal with the demonic. I just want to close with this story uh, about another demonic thing. Uh, we had a, a gentleman that came to our church once. Do you remember Guy? Yeah. And uh, he... he I had a friend called Mark and he, he said, oh, you've got to, got to meet this guy. He's, he's like seeing things coming out of the wall at night, trying to kill him and saying that you're going to die and stuff. The guy was in terror, just absolute abject terror. So Mark invited him to come to church one day. So he came to church and we had a chat and stuff. And I said, OK, what we'll do if you if you come here like Tuesday night, we'll, we'll, it was the middle of October, we'll pray for you yeah, and, and we'll just sort you out. So we come to Tuesday night. I'm sorry for those that have heard this because I know some of you haven't. And so uh, Tuesday night came, we're in the car park and he was nowhere to be found. Well, there was an ambulance parked over the way. Um, but I didn't really know what that was about. So and then uh, what happened then? So then we tried phoning him. No answer, so we just we were about to go, thinking, oh, well, no show. And then the phone rang, and someone said, hello, uh, you just rang this number. Do you know who Guy is? And Mark said, yeah, yeah, he's a friend of mine. He said, well, because at the moment he's in an ambulance. And it was like, oh, he's over there. So Mark got out of the car, and I went out of the car. And then the ambulance driver came out to meet us, and he said, look, he said, this guy, he's, we've never seen anything like this. He's having a fit but his eyes aren't doing what should be happening if someone's having a fit. Do you know anything about this? I just knew what Mark was going to say. And I was like, Mark, don't say it. Because he's like this black guy from Barbados, you know, and he's like, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's demons. That's what it is, man. He speaks just like that. I'm not, I'm not being funny. And, uh, and I was like, oh, no, Mark, no. So I, I started walking back to the car because, I was like, again, I was still coming out of my, you know, my reformed part into more being more charismatic. And I was like, Mark, I just oh, I don't want to do this. I'm trying to be a respectful pastor. I'm trying to gain some respect around here. And everyone just keeps thinking I'm an idiot. So I started walking back to the car and then and then the guy said to me, Mark, so so do you know how to sort this out? Yeah, my pastor does. Hey Chris. So it was like I had to turn around. So we go into this ambulance and there's his, his name's Guy, which is really annoying because I have to keep calling him a guy who was called Guy. So this guy, he was he was he was strapped in and he was, you know, giving it all this and his eyes were doing weird stuff. And uh, so there was an ambulance, the ambulance crew, and then another mini ambulance came out, you know, the ones in the car, and they were all here. So we're all cramped into this, into the back of this ambulance. And I, just, I was just looking at my shoes thinking, oh dear, where's this gonna go? And, and Mark, and they were like, so, so do, you, do you know what it is? And Mark was like, yeah, it's demons. And I was just like, oh, Mark, shut up, just shut up. And, uh, and, and then I just felt the presence of God come in the ambulance. And then every, all the ambulance staff just said, okay, so what we'll do then? as we'll leave the ambulance and we'll leave you to, to do your thing and let us know when you're done. Now, no one 
in their right mind would ever do that in a million years. If you were working for the NHS, you would not step out in an environment where you are caring for an individual, hand over to a complete stranger and allow them to cast a demon, which you don't even believe, to out of that guy. So out they went and I knew that it was a Holy Ghost moment. And, uh, and again, this guy was like, you know, giving it all this. And Mark, he had this like sheet of what to, what to do to demons. So he gets his, gets his gets his little sheet out bless him and he was quoting all this stuff and then it wasn't it wasn't working and uh and i was praying i was like oh god what are we going to do and then god just told me to say something and i said uh, i said guy in the name of jesus get up and immediately he just sat bolt upright and looked really confused as well where am i what's going on so then we called in the ambulance staff um so they came in there were like oh what did you do to him Again, I was just looking at my feet, being real shifty, like, and Mark said, yeah, we use the name of Jesus and cast a demon out, man. And so they were like, oh, okay. Uh, so they had this log there. They said, well, we need to report in our log book what's actually happened here. So, so what are we going to do? And there was a little bit of, mm, I don't know, mm, I don't know. And then someone said, well, shouldn't we just write what happened? So this guy come in, a pastor and his friend came on board. They prayed for a guy. He's now better. Write it in log book at this time and this time. So that's what they did. So that went is the official NHS rest, um, entry in an ambulance book log of some guy getting a demon cast out of him. So anyway, so we took the guy back to our house which was probably not a wise thing to do. And I, he, I hadn't really dealt with the demons. We just like stopped it momentarily. So he come to our house and uh, he saw I had some Bible. It was a really rare version. It was just on the, on, on the shoe rack sort of thing. And he come in and as soon as he saw it, he went, what's that? And I went, oh, don't worry, mate. It's just the Bible thinking I shouldn't have brought him home really. So anyway, so we sat down and I, I made it quite clear. First of all, I bound the demon. I said, no, we're not having any manifestations or any of that stuff. I said, I'm just going to talk to Guy. I don't want you manifesting. So bless him for the next half an hour. He was like, <coughs> try not to manifest. And basically I said to him, I said, you need to give your life to, the, to Jesus. Otherwise, the Bible says, if I cast this thing out, then it's going to open seven up, seven times worse is going to come along or whatever it is. You know, you're going to make your life a heck of a lot worse. And he wouldn't have it. He was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I'm not interested in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give my life to Jesus. And I said, okay, we're done then, you can go. And uh, I think Mark was a little bit surprised and the guy's like, what? I said, yeah, you're not gonna, no, I'm not gonna pray for you, you're done. Just, you know, you think about what you wanna do. So anyway, that was on a Tuesday, Sunday come, man, that guy, he burst through the church, literally burst through the church doors. And he said, I said, I can't live like this anymore. I need Jesus in my life. So we took him outside. We prayed for him. Bear in mind, he looked like, a, he was a tall guy, but he looked like a shriveled, ashened um, Smeagol. Well, didn't he? Yeah, my precious. Like, he looked like that, just all gray and ashen and really sort of crouched over a gnarly. And then we prayed for him. And then when he came back into the building, he was fully erect. His face had changed countenance and color. He looked like a completely different guy, didn't he? Tracy thought it was a different person that we brought in through the, through the, through the doors. Um, you know, and he then died six weeks later, but he died saved. And he died delivered and he died, he died sorry, set free. And so that's just a little example of some of the stuff, adventures that you're going to have very soon. That all of us are going to have these really far out stories to tell, which we'll be laughing and chuckling about and being amazed about for years and years to come. Because this is what God has done, is, is going to do. God is doing, going to do incredible things through you. And uh, I keep seeing this other picture. But also another thing, I'm sorry, I've, I've just, I'm just trying to follow the Holy Spirit, so I'll shut up in a minute. Um, but there was another time, and I've told you this before, but I, but I didn't tell you. Remember I told you the story about how the guy came out of the bush and he saw me glowing? Yeah. Okay, so the bit I didn't say was that God said that there's a day coming when that's going to happen to a lot of Christians, where you'll just be sat on the bus and everyone will be like, 
looking at you as you start to glow. You'll be going around Tesco's if it's still operating then, and, uh, and you will be glowing with the glow of God. You, there, there are some amazing things that are coming, and, and everything that's coming is nothing new. I've read about all these things throughout church history. It's amazing. But in these last of days, when evil is so prevalent, unfortunately, apologetics aren't going to cut it anymore. Your clever answers and, well, you know, the Bible means this. It's just not going to work. People need to see the power of God and the presence of God to impact them. And when they know that you've got answers and they realise that science doesn't have the answer, because everyone believes scientists know the, know the answer to everything, and they're going to solve all the problems and get us out of all this trouble. No, they're not. They're probably going to be the first to come in here. Go, I'm in the right mess. Please help me. They're going to be coming in here and we're going to be the answer to, to the need that's coming. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Lord, we pray, Lord, in these days, Lord, there are not many Christians that, that really want to live like this, Lord, that want to be just on fire for you and want to lay down their lives for you, Lord God. But I pray, Lord God, use us. And there are others, Lord, that have a heart for you to see your power move in this nation, Lord God, to see you restore and heal our nation in ways beyond our, our imaginings, Lord God. Lord, I pray, I thank you, Lord, as you're doing signs and wonders in Ukraine right now and the church is just growing and growing and growing. I pray, Lord God, in these days to come that you will exponentially grow your church here, Lord God. But I pray it won't be a church that's weak and politically correct. I pray it will be a church that will be real and true and on fire for you, Lord God. And I pray that you'll raise up up Wilber forces, Lord Jesus. I pray you'll raise up people like Catherine and William Booth, Lord Jesus, that will literally shake and change a nation and shake government to its core to change laws of the land to help protect children, etc. Lord, I pray you do great and mighty things through your church in these days, both in social action, legal action, and in signs and wonders, and your gospel spreading throughout this nation as we see the blessed glory of your church being manifest on the earth in these last days before the very end of days and we ask it in the precious name of Jesus and we thank you Lord that we are privileged that we are going to witness these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.